So good morning, everyone. How is everyone? Okay, so today I'm going to be doing things a little bit different. Solid. We'll just set this right there. Um, so normally I have a bunch of different scripture, uh, you know, just kind of spaced out throughout the Bible. Uh, I like to think of it as, you know, the Bible, every single verse being connected to one another in some way or, or another. You know, the very first uh, very first verse in this Bible is connected to the very last. It's also connected to the one in the middle. It's also connected to good old Mark 9.30 right here. And don't forget Psalms 147.1. I like to say every verse is connected in there some way or another. And like I said, I normally have a bunch of different verses kind of just put there to kind of explain what I want to talk about. And but... We're going, to be, we're going to be focusing in Acts today, and it's going to be Acts 12, 1 through 25. So if y'all wanted to go ahead and turn to that, you are more than welcome to. Uh, another thing is, I also normally have my Bible, a notebook, and my iPad up here with me. But I've been doing some research, and most people are just sticking to like, just the iPad now. So, you know, being a younger person, I'm a little confused. I'm like... Yo, if I have like six pages in the notebook, I can at least tell you, oh, that's at least 20 minutes. But now the iPad, it's just, I just, I can just scroll, but I, I don't have a specific amount of time that I can tell y'all. So, and also one more thing, who can do this? Can anybody do this? Sweet. Okay, this is something we learned back in, you know, pre-K, elementary. You do this when you have a question. So if you have a question anytime throughout this message, feel free to raise your hand. It works. Okay? So bear with me. This one, this message, it's a little out there. It's a, it's a little out there. But just bear with me. So let's get started right here. Okay? Un momento, por favor. Man, see, we're getting started.
Nope, it is a timer. So, <laughs> so this timer, that was set for a minute and 30 seconds. And, but the thing is, none of y'all understood a single thing that I was doing. Ms. Jowers even had her own question. There is, they don't know if you're playing nose goes about who's gonna ask the next question. They're like, And it wasn't the young ones, it was my mom. <laughs> so, but that's the thing. That's what I wanted to talk to you all about today. Relaxing when you don't understand something. So, during that minute and a half of me sitting in a chair, going over there, playing something simple on the piano, doing some push-ups, then standing on the chair, y'all had no clue what I was doing. Y'all may have, you know, I saw some of y'all starting to sit a little higher in your seats. They're like, a little confusion. They're like, what's wrong with this kid? We asked him to come and bring the message. And I know some of y'all, your shoulders began to get a little more tense. Your, your hands started shaking. Y'all are sitting there. You're like, when's he going to start? What's he doing? So I want you to raise your hand if you had any of these questions. What is he doing? Okay, how can this be a part of any message? Okay, did he forget what he was talking about? How long is this going to go on for? And finally, when are we going to start? Okay, there's quite a bit of questions. Like I said, not a single one of you understood what I was doing. And that's how life is. You can go throughout your life, and you're going to hit a sharp right turn. You're not going to know what it means. You're not going to know everything that happens throughout your life. And that's just the way it is. Like, I'm, I'm sure some of y'all have seen Nature Walk. They have, they has this guy, and he's sitting there, and he's looking at a tree. And he's like, oh, hey, this is an aspen. You can tell it's an aspen by the way it is. That's what it is. You, you're walking. You're going throughout life. You hit that right turn. You can't sit there and be like, oh, hey, I hit this right turn. I hit this hard spot in life because this and this and this and this. You can't do that. You hit that right turn. You're like, I hit this right turn because it's a right turn. I hit this right turn because God is still in control. No matter how many right turns I take, I can make right turns left turns throughout this entire, this entire sanctuary. But the thing is, no matter how far I go, no matter how far I stray off this path, you know, from me right here on, or on earth to heaven, no matter how far I stray off of that, God is still in control. And that's exactly what I wanted to talk about. See, I'm talking about relaxing, relaxation. Not, you know, going to a spa, not not just chilling with your dogs, not getting your husband or maybe even your wife to, you know, give you a little foot massage and give you a little pedicure. You see, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about relaxation with your faith, relaxation with your religion, relaxation when you don't understand what is happening. So if y'all want, y'all can go ahead and turn to Acts 12, 1 through 25. And this is where the message is going to come from today. 
So normally, I go throughout the message and just tell you which verse and then go from there. But I want us, I want us to read this, 12, 1 through 25. We're going to read this and we're going to jump straight in. And this is why I'm saying this comes in handy. If you have any questions, feel free to just throw your hand up. You see, it's this time about King Herod arrested some of the people that belonged to the church. Intending to persecute them, he had James, the brother of John, put to death with a sword. When he saw that this pleased the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the Feast of Unleavened Bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for the public trial after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. The night before Herod was uh, to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Just imagine that. The day, the day before Peter is to be put to death, to be executed, he's chained to two guards, chained to two guards, with two at the door, and he's asleep. Asleep. Now, if you can't tell me that's not relaxation, it's literally the night before he's supposed to get executed, and he's asleep. You know, he could be cuddling with one of the guards right there, drooling all over the other. Okay? You see, suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone, shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals, and Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea uh, that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were anticipating. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, uh, the will you never... Sorry, I skipped two pages. The mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked on the outer entrance, and a servant girl named Rhoda came to, the, came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening the door. You see, she exclaimed, Peter is at the door. You're out of your mind, they told her, when she kept insisting that it was so. They said, it must be his angel. But Peter kept knocking on the door, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. Tell James and the brothers about this, he said, and then he left for another place. In the morning, there was no small commotion among the soldiers as to what had become of Peter. After Herod had thought, a thorough search made for him and did not find him. He cross-examined the guards and ordered them to be executed. Then Herod went from Judea to Caesarea and stayed there a while. He had been quarreling with people of Tyre and Sidon. They, they now joined together and sought an audience with them. Having secured the support of Blastus, a trusted personal servant of the king, they asked for peace because they depended on the king's country for their food supply. 
On the appointed day, Herod, wearing his royal robes, sat on his throne and delivered a public address to the people. They shouted, This is the voice of God, not of a man. Immediately, because Herod did not give praise to God, an angel of the Lord struck him down, and he was eaten by worms and died. But the word of God continued to increase and spread. When Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission, they returned from Jerusalem, taking with them John, also called Mark. So there, we see, we see many different, different variations, not really variations, but different things that happened throughout the story. One, at the very beginning, it might not seem as it is, but God is in control. James was executed. Peter wasn't. But yet God was still in control. Peter prayed. The church prayed. And Peter, he was taken out. He walked out of the prison into the house of Mary. That is what he did. Finally, it talks about King Herod getting killed, you know, getting struck down. And I'm, that's not what I'm going to focus about today. Normally, somebody, if somebody was going to talk about this, they would talk about, you know, uh, the importance of prayer. They would talk about trusting God, letting God be in control. And then they would talk about nobody disobeying God, nobody going against God. And they would normally talk more about the wrath of that. But that's not what I want to talk about. I want to talk about the part where we see that God never leaves us. I don't want to focus on this one specific part. I want to focus on this loving father that a lot of people kind of forget to see. This loving father that many people don't necessarily hear about all the time in church, so they oftentimes get pushed away. So those are the three different points that I wanted to, re that I wanted to talk to you all about. You see, we describe God with three different O's. It is omniscient, which means he is all-knowing, omnipresent, which means he is all-present, and omnipotent, which means he is all-powerful. And with these three O's, we have God, all-knowing, always-present, and all-powerful. And that is God. You see, this is the God of the Bible. So if God is all-knowing, all-present, and all-powerful, then he must know our problems. And this is where we're hopping into this first point. God knows our problems. God understands what we're going through. Although we don't understand, God understands. And that is the important thing. You see, I review this with you because, like I said, the first, the first couple verses of this of this, you know, chapter does not seem like God's in control. Like I said, James was killed. Peter was arrested. Peter was not saved, taken out of prison until a couple days had already passed. You can read, uh, I'll go ahead and open it back up. I don't think the whole just sticking to, you know, the thing. I'm going to have to read a couple times. So it says right here, so Peter was kept in prison, but the Church was earnestly praying to God for him. That's the thing. It says kept. K-E-P-T, kept, which means this is an ongoing thing. He wasn't in there for three hours. He was in there for nights. They kept him in there. 
until his trial. They kept him, they, they kept him in there until he was prosecuted and to be executed. That's the thing. But they were earnestly praying about it. So does anybody know who King Herod is, the one from the story? Okay, does anybody know uh, Herod the Great? Okay, well, Herod the Great, he is the king that had ordered to kill all, male, or all babies to and under. That is, that is who that is, King Herod. You know, when Jesus is being born, he's like, go kill all these babies to and under. He's like, I don't want Jesus coming. That, that was him. Now we have King Herod. We went from Herod the Great. Then they had a son, Herod. And then King Herod right here, the one who killed James and had Peter arrested, is the grandson of the one who had all the babies killed. And the thing is, both of them ruled their land. They ruled their land with violence, with vengeance against God. That's what it was. They, they weren't focusing on, hey, let God work through me. Let God be in control so we can live this world of peace, so that we can live this world of hope, love, this world with a future. They decided to step away. They stepped away from God. They said, oh, hey, I'm going to take control. But yet the entire time, God was in control. And that's, that's the importance of it. No matter how far they strayed, like, I could walk through this door right here and go to the kitchen. That's where they were. Heck, they, they, they weren't even in the kitchen. They were halfway across the world. They were furthest away they can get from here, pushing their way so, from God. But God was still in control. God knew what he was doing. And I hate to say that, I hate to say that stuff happens for a reason. I do, but that's the honest truth. Not all the time, it's necessarily God doing it. The devil comes and he tries to attack us. He attacks us when we're at our weakest. He attacks us when we're at our strongest. But no matter how many times that devil attacks us, the God is still in control. Our God is still in control. You see, verse 2 says, that talks about where he killed, you know. And, well, anyway, we continue to read, and he, he arrested Peter. He didn't arrest Peter because he thought it was right. He didn't arrest Peter because, oh, Peter's breaking the law. No, he, he needs to go to jail. That's, that's not why he arrested Peter. It literally says he arrested Peter because they were pleased by the execution. Those Jews that were not going with God, that were not following Jesus Christ, they were pleased with the execution. That's what King Herod wanted. He wanted power. He wanted this fame. He wanted his legacy. But he did not know our legacy is God's legacy. What we do is from God. Everything that we do, we say, we touch, who we touch is God. God working through each and every single one of us. And this, this first part right here, it talks about, this, this kind of goes against the faith, or not the faith. It goes against the, the idea that Christians never have a bad day. And that's the thing. We all have bad days. No matter who you are, no matter where you are, we all have 
bad days. And that's what this is talking about. And it's talking about letting God take control. You know, James, he was killed. He really was. But he's not, he wasn't up there, you know, oh, hey, yeah, the worst thing that's going to happen to me is I'm going to get locked up. No, that's not what he's thinking. That entire time he knew that following Jesus Christ, he could be killed at any moment in time. He knew that. But he continued to go forth with it. He loved God. He knew what was right. And he continued to preach, knowing the risks. And James, he was killed. I'll tell you, that is his worst day on this earth, getting killed. But I'll tell you what, he was killed. Not only was that his worst day, but it was his best day. He's not here. He's with God. And that's, that's what it was. His, his worst day, him getting killed here on this earth, was his best day because he got to see our father. He, he's still watching over. He was still watching over all his family. He was still watching over everybody that he had touched. But God was in control. He trusted God, and he let God take control. You see, God, in his providence, allows James to die and allows Peter to live. And so many people, like, I've, I've said this story to some, some kids, you know, during, like, a youth rally and stuff like that. I've brought this story. I've brought this up. And these kids, they question. And it wasn't just kids. Some adults asked me. They're like, so, did God love Peter more? Was Peter more religious? What did James do to deserve that punishment? Nothing. You see, God loves each and every single one of us. And that's where we talk about the omnipotent, the omnipresent, you know. That's where we talk about that. Because God is all this. God's all-knowing. God's all-powerful. God is always there. We just have to trust him. And we have to let him take control. You see, the way this ties back into, you know, understanding what we don't understand. And now, I'm not saying that, you know, oh, hey, this cat got in a fight with this cat. I think it's because of the fish. No, it's not, it's not because of that. It's not we're sitting there trying to, like, identify what is going on. That you, that's not what we're talking about. We're sitting there. The understanding what we don't understand is understanding that God is in control. That is what I mean. I'm not saying go out of your way to find out why something happened, when something happened, where something happened. I'm telling you to understand how God is using this to affect your life, how God is using this to touch you, how God is using this to provide for you, how God is using this and how you are going to relax and trust God. So, you see, we read in Deuteronomy 29.29, it says, the secret things belong unto the Lord our God. The secret things belong unto the Lord our God. Right there, it's not talking about secrets. It's not talking about like, Oh, God knows this, but he doesn't want to tell me. That's not what it's talking about. It's saying what we don't understand, God understands. The secrets that we have that we don't understand, that we hear from others that we don't know, God knows. God understands. 
You see, we can also read Proverbs 25.2. It says, it is the glory of God to conceal a matter. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. Let's put those together. The secret things, or, yeah, the secret things belong unto the Lord our God. And it is the glory of God to conceal a matter. You see, this, these two verses put together are kind of, you know, they're, they're not close to each other in the Bible. They're not. But the thing is, God had these two verses in there for a reason. And that's why I said every verse in the Bible is connected in some way or another. But these two verses, they prove that what you don't, under, you don't understand, God does. And you don't understand it down here. You don't understand the concept. You don't understand the facts. And that's okay. God does. But what he wants you to understand is why it's happening and to understand that he is in control of it. You see, now we're going to jump into the second, the second point, okay? This right here is talking about prayer. You see, Peter, he was kept in there. The church was praying. He was praying over and over and over again. And that is the thing. God answers our prayers. It's not on our time. I can tell you right now that it is not on our time. And it's not always the way we want. But the thing is, picture Peter. Peter, he is, he's in prison the night before his execution. He's catching some disease. That is what he's doing. He's laying down right here, you know, just laying down. You know, he's chained to two guards. So he could be cuddling with one, have his leg over the other, drooling. That could be Peter. But that's the thing. The day, the night before his execution, literally 12 hours, and he was to be killed, and he is catching some Z's. Now, if you can't tell me that's relaxation at its finest right there, then come on now. But that's the thing. This was through that prayer. He trusted God. He trusted the plan. He trusted the prayer. And that is the entirety of it. He knew he knew that no matter what was going to happen to him, God was in control. You're sitting there in prison. There's 16 guards. There's four squads of four guards that were taking shifts to go over it. Okay? That's what they're doing. They are all taking six-hour shifts. Two were chained to him, and two were the sentries guarding the door. They had somebody on pier 24-7. And what, what are you to think in that situation? What are you to think? There's no possible way for, you know, escape. There's, you're chained to two guards, so how are you going to try and fight your way out of that? Peter, he's laying there, and he's like, okay, there's two options that's going to happen. He's like, I'm praying. That's what I'm doing. The church is praying. I know they got my back. He's like, but there's two things. That's going to happen. God has my back, so either he's going to send the angel down here and help me escape this place so I can continue to spread his love, or I'm going to be killed tomorrow and be with my heavenly father. That's it. Those were his two options right there. And he trusted God. He understood. He understood the two, two completely separate dynamics that he was going to face. Escape 
by, with the help of an angel, without being harmed at all, to move on and spread God's love or be killed and see our Heavenly Father. Those were his two options. He prayed, the church prayed, and he slept. Slept like a baby. You know, he's sitting there. That is Peter. You see, okay. Yeah, we totally, we totally nailed that. You see, the thing is, we can continue with prayer. We can continue on and on and on, but it doesn't happen on our time. We could say Peter was locked up in there for three months. We could say that. But the thing is, God did not send the angel down there to help him until the night before his execution. He did not send that angel down there to help him, you know, 12, 10, 6 hours before his execution. But that's the thing. He trusted God. He continued to pray. And we, we, you can continue to read in uh, verse 16. That's where he reaches the house of Mary, where they are having these prayers. And he knocks on the door. He's sitting here. He's like, he's knocking on the door. He's like, hey, hey, come get me. It's Peter. Come on, come on. And little Rhoda, she comes up. She's like, guys, guys, it's Peter. It's Peter. Forgetting to open the door. And you, you have all these other people have been praying on and on. They're like, nah. It can't be Peter. They got 16 guards in there. Like, come on now. Then they go to the door, and it is Peter. They're talking about how it had to be his angel that was at the door, but it was Peter in his flesh and blood. Right there, you can talk. You can, you can look at this and be like, oh, hey, those people that were praying did not have full trust. They did not put their full faith into that prayer, but God still answered it because he was in control. He knew what needed to be done and what was there to continue to spread the love. And think about it. Peter can escape prison, escape prison with 16 guards, but is stuck, stuck at a gate, stuck at a door, knocking to get into a house of prayer. Like, walks out of a prison, but can't get in a house. Like, come on now. And, but that's the thing. God was with him. God was in control. Although Peter was at that door knocking, he's like, hey, hey, let me in. And just like looking over his shoulder constantly. God was in control. I'll tell you what, Peter, he could have been, he could have had a whole party, an entire party. And I guarantee you, because that was the plan that God had in store, God would have kept those guards away from finding him. God would have found some way to, to be in control like he always is. The God that is all-knowing, always present, and all-powerful. That is the thing. God is all of those things. So we, we trust him. We trust him. We pray. In this final point, I want to talk about God never leaving us. God always being there beside us. So we read, I want to say it was, oh, well, I've already skipped it in the book, but it's, it's Matthew 20. We read in there where Jesus told James and his brother, he's like, if you want to continue on this path with me, 
He's like, you're going to face so many trials. You're going to face so many tribulations. And James and John are like, yes, sign me up. He's like, where's that pen and paper? That was them. He, he explained that to him. And James was there to be executed. But that entire time, God was with them. That entire time, Jesus was with them. Although they weren't standing there by their side, flesh and blood, blood trying to stop the sword, they were there with them, heart, mind, and soul. In Matthew 20, it's, it's not saying, oh, hey, if you want to go to heaven, Jesus told James and John, if you want to sit on either side of me and my Father in heaven, that is what it says. It doesn't say, oh, hey, if you want to go to heaven. No, if you want to sit on either side of me and my Father in heaven. And they said, sign me up without a doubt. And that's the thing. God is always there. He's always there guiding, strengthening us. And I've, to be honest, I'm off my notes. It's so well. But we all know Jeremiah 29, 11. You know, that verse, it talks about God giving us a future, one of hope, love, peace, not one to destroy us, not one to corrupt us, not one to harm us. That's, that's not what God's about. God's about that love. God's about that forgiving. God's about that peace that he's never never going to leave us. The thing is, we can look at our life as if it's a big, a huge puzzle. And God is the picture on the box that we use. God's that picture on that box that we stack our pieces on to figure out the entire thing. And you see, God promises to protect you, to come through for you, to never leave nor forsake you. And when he says that, he, he literally promised us that. And when you say, when, when you make a promise, it's, it's not that necessarily that friendship on the line. It's not that relationship. It's your name. It's your word. It's your actions that are on the line. God promised that to us. So that just gives us that faith, that knowledge that we can trust it, that we know that that is right. Okay? You see, he is with you. And he's going to uphold you. Yes, he's going to sustain you with strength, peace, and joy. But the thing is, he's always, always there going to be with you, guiding you, loving you, and strengthening you up. You see, if you feel like, if you like, feel, if you feel like giving up, or you feel like you're going to collapse under the weight that the world, you know, is putting on you, you're not. And I'm going to say that. I promise you that you won't through God's strength, through God's hope, through God's love, through God's faith, through our faith, our hope, our love, through all of that, you will not collapse. You, you will not fail. Because like I said, God is always with you. Our God, who is all-knowing, all-present, and all-powerful. And so we have talked about the three points today. You see, we talked about God being aware of our problems. We talked about God hears and he answers our prayers. And finally, we talked about God, you know, how he will never leave us hanging. And those are three very important aspects when it comes to our religion, when it comes to our faith, our hope, our trust, our love with each other and with God. You see, the reason why I wanted to speak to y'all about these three points is because they should be important to you. 
They should be important to you as a person and through Christianity. These three things are so important to our faith. They speak true to our connections with God. They speak true to our faith, our hope, our love. You see, we're all going to hit hard spots in life that we don't understand. We're all going to hit hard spots in life that we're not going to be able to explain to one person or another. We're not going to be able to explain to ourselves. But that's okay. And I say that's okay because God is in control. So just at the beginning, as I was just sitting there looking like an idiot, y'all started to get tensed up. Y'all started to, to question, question my sanity, you know, about what I was doing and where it was going to go with. You started to question. Now, when things get hard, I don't want you to question. I want you to sit down, make it known to yourself, make it known to God that you trust him and that he is in control of everything. And I promise you that if you do that, when you do that, one, things, things will start to clear up and get better so much quicker. I promise you that things will be easier on you mentally, physically, emotionally, with your heart, your mind, your soul. And I promise you that God is never going to leave you hanging. Okay, will you all pray with me? Uh, dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for blessing us with another wonderful day, Lord. I want to thank you for giving us the opportunity to come here, not just as individuals, Lord, not just as people who just want to hear your word, Lord, but as people who love you, who trust you, who, who seek your guidance, your strength, in everything that you put on our hearts, Lord. We love you, and it's your will be done. Lord, I just want to thank you, and I ask you to be with us throughout everything, Lord. And Lord, touch the hearts in here. Lift open their eyes, their minds, their soul, Lord. We're about to go into the invitation, Lord. And I just ask you to fill this place with your Holy Spirit, Lord, to open everybody up and let them feel, let them feel your presence and let them know that you are in control. And in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Okay.